What is up, everybody? Seems like we've been gone for quite a while, at least all three of us together, that's for sure. I uh, Welcome to the ATL Sports HQ Live Show, the show for the fans, by the fans. This is episode 24. My name is Bob Lancaster. You can find me on all social media at Bowling Bob. I'm Phil Beasley. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore ATL Phil. I'm Derek Clemens. You can follow me on Twitter at Derek Clemens. You can follow the site at atlsportshq.com and ATL Sports HQ on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Now, also, the show can be found on all major podcast sites, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. So uh, you go on any of those uh, outlets to, to watch us. Make sure you give us a five-star rating so we can continue to bring you this awesome podcast. And if you're interested in writing for the site, we are actively recruiting. So just shoot over a message to Phil on Twitter at, at a, underscore ATL Phil or me, Apple and Bob, and we will get you started. We're definitely looking for some Georgia people, especially um, some United people. And then also uh, kind of be interested in some Atlanta dream coverage. If you'd be interested in covering the dream as well, we would definitely appreciate that. So let's get right into it. Uh, first topic today is going to be the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL draft. Um, since we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, we'll jump into that. Atlanta drafted guard Chris Lindstrom from Boston College right tackle Caleb McGarry from University of Washington in the first round. Uh, second and third round, they didn't have picks. And then uh, on the weekend, they drafted cornerback Kendall Sheffield from Ohio State, defensive end John Kaminsky from Charleston, running back Kadri Allison from Pittsburgh, cornerback Jordan Miller from University of Washington, and running back Marcus Green from Louisiana Monroe. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Phil. Were you surprised the Falcons went with Chris Lindstrom at 41 and McGarry at 31? Um, I think they drafted to their needs. They did what they needed to do. You know, they weren't exactly the big names or the names people wanted or like you know the the high profile positions. But hey, where did we struggle last year? You know, we need to we need to get this offense going. We need to protect Matt Ryan. Um, so I think we did what we needed to do. I didn't have a problem with the picks. Um, I know the uh, beat writer in particular had some off the, I don't know, I guess you could call them off the wall things to say. But, hey, I, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good draft. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, were you surprised with the Falcons at Chris Lindstrom at 14 and McGarry at 31? Uh, I was surprised, but I'm not mad about it. I mean. You're paying Matt Ryan all that money, so you better protect him. I mean, we seen him on his on his butt a lot last season, and I mean, it cost us offense. And I mean, offense is our most important thing. I mean, there we have all the weapons on that end, so you got to protect your quarterback. And I mean, they were banking on Matt Ryan to be a quarterback for hopefully six, seven years going forward or whatever. So you got to protect him. So I mean, I'm the picks are fine, but. Uh -huh. I wasn't necessarily I wasn't necessarily surprised with who they went with. My my shock was I kind of thought that a Chris Lindstrom could have be had could have been had if you would have traded down in the draft and maybe grabbed a a pick in the second or third round since you didn't have any then um, and, and then you know then to trade up to get McGarry at 31, um, you know I, both are both are quality players. Um, I, I got to see a lot. A lot of Caleb McGarry, you know, being a University of Washington guy. Um, and my concern with him is that they didn't really play, you know, top elite, you know, schools for him to get really tested. Uh, and then, um, 
the running game and the quarterback play last year for Washington was not very good. So, um, you know, and, and he's supposed to be, you know, at the right tackle position, the main guy, you know, and, and those were positions that struggled last year. So um, I know that, uh, um, you know, Coach Q, you know, obviously has the relationship with Washington, you know, ha- having coached in Seattle. So he's, you know, he definitely keeps an eye on UW guys, which, you know, with them drafting two guys from UW, that's not that big of a surprise. So, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. And I'm, I'm like you, I'm not necessarily disappointed with who they drafted. I mean, Lindstrom was probably the best guard in the draft. Um, just not one of those, you know, sexy names, I guess you could say, um, you know, coming, you know, not from the biggest, of, you know, biggest of schools with a Boston college. So, but he's a big dude and he, he's going to, you know, he'll be in at the beginning and, you know, which, tasked with guarding, you know, helping Matt Ryan have, have such a good season. So see, I'm not disappointed at all, but um, I just, you know, kind of was a little concerned with them not drafting at the defensive line, which is what we're going to get into next. Um, they didn't really address the defensive line at all. Um, what can we expect them to do the address to address the rest of their needs with little salary to work with? I'll throw that to you, Derek. It's going to be, I mean, there's, cause there's really nothing left. I mean, I guess you look. I can't. I can't remember. Did we sign a defensive end after the draft? Uh, we may. We may have gotten an undrafted free agent. I didn't include those in. You know, yeah. what, what are the odds that that someone that that's going to be an impact player at all? You know, just about to say. I mean, the odds are very slim that that even happens. But um, I mean, I can't really think of anyone that's still available that we would be able to pay for. So I mean, I guess we're still leaning on Big Beasley to bring that pass rush, which. It's scary going into the season after that year. Yeah, last year. Phil, are you concerned they didn't address the defensive line? And, you know, anything we can expect them to do to maybe address that issue? Yeah, I was a little concerned. Um, like like Derek said, I don't think there's really anybody out there left in the free agency market. They're going to have to hope that maybe they can get someone from the undrafted. But, you know, what's the, what is the, the likelihood of that player being able to come in and make an actual impact? But – I, I, I don't know. Uh, they're going to have to maybe look at trade or you might not be in a, in a good uh, predicament this year. Yeah. The name, the name that came in this week is a guy that I just, I cannot stand. And I hope that's not the answer is Nadama Khan Sue. Um, you know, I, I call him the king of the 15 yarder, you know, he, he's good for, Good for a great play, and then he'll do something stupid that costs you 15 yards every single time. But, you know, hey, if, if Coach Q loves those guys that, that cost him 15 yards, it seems like we always have, uh, you know, one or two guys a year that, um, you know, cost us a 15-yard, either unnecessary roughness or, you know, something like that, you know, that, that pass interference, those, those, those guys that cost us 15-yard play. So, um, but I know that, you know, he's probably – uh, a bigger name available. I know that, um, um, oh, uh, Jadavion Clowney has been shopped around by Texas, but uh, I mean by the Houston Texans. So that could be a name, but you'd have to put together salary because he is um, already franchised. So you'd have to put together quite a package of salary going to Houston. Um, and that would probably cost you a, one of the top rookies that you just got. So I don't see that what happening. Is, what would be Houston's motivation to do that? Because you know, I'm expecting them to have a, a good year with um, Sean Watson. You know, 
Well, the issue is, is just, you know, um, again, he he's franchised. So, you know, he's going to they on, on, obviously don't feel that he should be worthy of being a top four pay to his position. Um, so, you know, it's just an issue of, you know, trading him to someone that might value him more than they do. I'm guessing that's the only thing I think of, you know, he he's had his injury concerns, too. So they, they may not feel like, you know, extending him. But they're just hoping, you know, by offering him the franchise that they can't package him somewhere. I, I wouldn't mind having him here. I think that he would be a great, great for pass rush. Um, you know, it's always been his strong suit. But, you know, again, health with him has always been an issue. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind it. But I don't know if the price, for the price, if it would be worth bringing him in here. But really, when you don't have any big names, I mean, you know, I floated around uh, – you know, a rumor a couple of weeks ago, you know, that was just in my mind as a rumor I thought of was um, packaging Devonta Freeman and some kind of package uh, to Houston to get him. But I, I didn't realize how little, I mean, how little Devonta Freeman really gets paid per year. So it wouldn't even really work, work that great. So like I said, that's just a far fetched thing. But again, he's a, he is has been made available, but Derek put it good. You know, there's just not a lot of names anymore. You know, you, you're going to bank on what you're putting up from last year with, um, with no depth. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But uh, it seems like they're just relying heavily on offense and then just trying to work with whatever we have on defense. And if they step up, they step up. Mm-hmm. So on how many points we can score. Well, Again, you know, when I when the draft got over and I see who they get, and I'm like, well, guess guess you're hoping for you know Matt Ryan to put up 28 points a game again this year because the defense is going to give up 21 a game. So, you know, if he if they the offense doesn't click again this year, we're headed right back to the to the same type of record. I mean, I I haven't seen that much improvement to be honest with you. And last year, I was the closest at saying nine and seven. So, you know, and I just don't think I haven't seen enough improvement to think that they're going to be the upper echelon, you know, uh, of this division. So, but uh, Phil, not including Lindstrom and McGarry, uh, do you have anybody in mind that you think could be a potential impact sleeper of the group? Uh, I really think a lot of those were just death picks and um, I, I don't see many of them making an impact anytime soon. And if they do have to be thrust in there, it's not a good sign. What you think, Derek? Anybody standing out to you? I mean, not just because of his ability. I mean, I know a little bit about him, but uh, Kendall Sheffield, the cornerback, I mean, we need a cornerback to step up because, I mean, we're relying on uh, Oliver and because we let uh, Alfred go. So, I mean, we need someone to step up and, I mean, He's a pretty quick cornerback and keep up with a lot of guys. But his ball skills, I just don't think they're at the NFL level right now. So I don't think he'll make an immediate impact. Yeah, not including those two picks. Uh, I thought the two best picks were Kendall Sheffield for sure. And then um, uh, Jordan Miller also. Because, again, cornerback was a position they had to shore up. These guys have to make an impact because they, they, you know, they didn't address that position whatsoever. So, um, and, and Jordan Miller is a fantastic cornerback on a team. Yeah, they, on a team that generally produces great cornerbacks. I mean, you look at Trufant, 
you know, both your font brothers came out of UW. They're both, you know, we're both good. So, um, but yeah, uh, I really like, I really like uh, both those, but my sexy pick is Kadri uh, Allison from Pittsburgh. That dude can run. I mean, he has a legit shot at um, giving, um, what's his face? Uh, yeah, the starting running back, we're just talking about my mind is blank. It just does that sometimes. So, but, uh, um, but giving him a run for his money and possibly pushing out Edo Smith. And But the other thing that I like about Kadri Allison is it now gives you a kick and punt return option. I think he's going to take that. Um, special teams role as the returner. Um, and so uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised that that's the first thing. And, and But even if he turns out to be good, you can move Ito to a kick and punt returner as well. So um, you can never have too much depth, uh, you know, especially at running back. Um, I'm not sure Marcus Green will make the team. I watched him a little bit, and he's a good running back. But I, I just think with the guy, the three guys in front, um, including Kadri Allison, is that um, – that he will have a tough time making the team. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the uh, uh, practice squad. So um, now getting into the draft in general, um, who do you think, Derek, with the biggest shock of the draft, the Raiders selecting Cleveland Farrell fourth or the Giants taking Daniel Jones at six? Oh, there's no doubt Daniel Jones. I mean, yeah, the Farrell pick was a reach. I mean, you could have got him later in the draft with all the picks that you had. So I didn't. That didn't make sense to me. But the Daniel Jones thing. I mean, come on. Came from he kind of came from nowhere, didn't he? I mean, he. Okay, I mean, I guess it's college, and the numbers doesn't always mean a lot. But I mean, he produced. What did he do? Did he play all four years? Either three, three or four. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean, he Deshaun Haskins, but Haskins put up like the numbers that he put up in his whole career, like fifty touchdowns in one season pretty much. So, I mean, but you can just tell from his talent. I mean, he's not an NFL quarterback, and if he is, he will never be a starter. So, I don't understand. I guess they liked the Manning thing that they were talking about all through the draft and how he worked with them or whatever, and they reminded him of him. But, I mean, I just don't see it from him. I don't ever think we'll really see him do anything in the NFL. So, I mean, that pick was just a weird one. Phil, what you think, man? What's, what was the biggest shock, Cleveland Farrell or Daniel Jones? I got to go Jones. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, didn't they? They had like another pick or something coming yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought they could have gotten there. I mean, of course, they did damage control the next day and um, said, well, uh, someone would have got him. I don't, know. I, I don't think so. And, you know, they put a lot of pressure on that young man coming into that New York media. You know that New York media is ready like vultures. Do you think Do you think the New York market is excited about a guy coming in that's um, supposedly supposed to be a carbon copy of Eli Manning, who you just really kind of are fed up with at this point to begin with? Right. Eli Manning, you know, he's... He's lucked into two Super Bowls, pretty much. So, I mean, hey, I mean, I would take that if I'm a Giants fan. But outside of those two Super Bowl runs, what really has he done? The crazy thing is, I mean, this has just made it easier for them not to move on from Manny, which would suck as a fan. I mean, the organization just want to keep him there. And, I mean, 
this is a pick that shows it pretty much. Yeah, for me it was okay. So clearly you didn't want Dwayne Dwayne Haskins, um, and so you you wanted a uh, a more of a pocket passer quarterback elite guy, but. Daniel Jones wasn't even the best of that type. I mean, Drew Locke, Drew Locke is more of a pocket passer, game ready style quarterback. And then, you know, and I thought, okay, you know, so in their minds, they think that other teams wanted Daniel Jones. Well, those teams, you watch Drew Locke fall into the second day. And so then, you know, that's what made me realize, well, obviously, you know, Daniel Jones wasn't, uh, you know, what would have been able to fall to them if Drew Locke wasn't even drafted in the first day. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I talked about how um, I went to the Duke-Georgia Tech game. I covered that game, and I saw Daniel Jones play, and I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. He's not ready yet. I mean, it's this is actually, I think, is a decent situation. You still probably got two years of um, – of Eli Manning left. But my thing with the Giants is you made a pretty high pick last year in Kyle Laletta. So, you know, did you not have any faith in Kyle Laletta that you now go get Daniel Jones and the number six pick who is now expected to be the savior? I mean, coming off Eli Manning. So, but uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. That was a big surprise to me. The the Raiders, I kind of expected to do something stupid. So, um, you know, and but it was the same the same thing with the the Raiders as the Giants. Cleveland Farrell could have been had at their second pick, but yeah, they the Raiders always just do something dumb. So I just knew something was going to happen like that. So, but I really didn't expect. It. I thought the Giants would have uh, taken Drew Locke. I knew they were going quarterback. So. But that one just kind of blew me out of the way. So, but going local with the draft, um, Elijah Holyfield uh, didn't get his name called at the draft um, last time we were on with the three of us. We talked a little bit about him having a poor combine and whether we thought that would affect uh, him in the draft. And we all three were kind of like, no, nah, you know, he he has enough game footage and stuff like that that it won't affect him. But he didn't go drafted at all. He eventually signed as an undrafted free agent with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Derek, do you think you should have stayed back for another year at Georgia? You can just from the jump. I mean, he just—he's not an NFL running back yet, and he had that one big year of experience. I mean, he didn't have a lot of playing time the year before, and he finally got majority of a lot of the reps last season. So you got to see a lot of what he can do. And I mean, I think he'll be okay in NFL as a backup running back, maybe on third downs and stuff, and can give the Panthers some help, maybe in a few years if he's still there. But if he even actually makes the team, but I don't. I mean, I just don't think he was ready to go to the draft. He wasn't like a name that just pops up and like, oh, we got to have him. So. What'd you think, Phil? Yeah, um, he just. He should have stayed. I don't. I don't understand. You know. I don't know who was in his ears, but I. I don't know at what point he could have changed his mind, or if at any point. I don't know how the uh, how um, football works. I know in the NBA, you change your mind up until like the end of May if you declare. I don't know if you can do that in football, but he should have really evaluated this. He should have um, came back another year, made it to the playoff again, and hopefully. You know, showed something more, had a better combine, and he would be 
on his way to a millionaire now. He's going to be fighting for a fringe roster spot, probably a practice squad spot. And I'm hopefully one day he can get his career together. And I mean, yeah. money. So. <laughs> I mean, he has every he has every right to declare that he wants to go pro. But I think as soon as the combine happen, knowing that if you come back to the to UGA next year. You're more than likely the number one option at running back. So you're going to see a bulk of the carries. Um, and so uh, whoever was directing his career kind of, uh, you know, kind of led him astray, I think. So uh, I know that coming near the last day, his dad was trying to push Falcons to draft, you know, and to, to draft him. And, you know, the Falcons just, you know, even taking running back with their last pick still didn't take him. So, you know, I just I kind of think it was concerning for him that he, you know, didn't didn't get called. I mean, again, I, I just surprises me with, you know, the knowing that, like I said, he probably would have been the number one option for them this year. I was just dumb decision. I get I, you know, if I, if I were him and, you know, I would be getting rid of his agent for whoever was telling him what to do so but poor poor judgment by him and now he's gonna have to scratch and claw his way to have any chance in the nfl so but so we'll definitely be watching him and we'll, hopefully we don't see too much of him when carolina's here so but uh because of course that'll come back to bite us <laughs> that's just the falcon way so all right let's uh talk about the nba and the nba playoffs second round action uh underway um golden state versus houston uh golden state is up 2-1 in the series uh phil what are your thoughts on the series so far and your prediction for the series yeah that's been a great series so far uh i know golden state is a few seconds away from being up 3-0 but man houston has played very hard uh I wish they could have got one. They shouldn't have let game one get away from them. We could be looking at a serious series right now. Um, I still think Golden State gets it done in six. I don't think Houston can get it to seven. Um, but man, James Harden and KD, they are lighting it all the way up. I can't wait to see KD back on a regular team to see what he can really do. You know, it's 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 been good when when people don't refer to a series as like Golden State versus Houston, they refer to it as oh, it's KD versus uh, you know versus the Beard, you know, and that that's always cool. You know, the two guys are rolling when when it is. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the series so far and your prediction, Derek? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely good to watch. Um, I I agree with Bill. I think Warriors are gonna go ahead and take it in six. I think the Rockets will find a way to win one more, maybe their last home game. But, I mean, I think, like, really, I think in reality they had a chance. They had a chance to be up in this series. I mean, Curry has been awful. He's shooting, like, 25% from the three-point line in this series. I mean, obviously, KD's lighting it up, but it can't just be him playing well. I mean, Clay's been okay. Draymond's actually stepped up a lot. But Harden's shooting percentages have kind of been bad. That's the only thing, but he's still producing at a high level. So I think if he wasn't shooting so bad, I think they could be up right there. Yeah, um, you know, I I think it'll go six as well. I'm agreeing with the two of you. Um, again, I like I said, it's it's Kevin Durant 
you know, versus James Harden. I mean, and that's uh, whoever steps it up more is that team's going to win. Um, the thing about it is just Golden State just up and down, you know, I, I honestly think that even if KD wasn't playing that well, someone else would be there to step up and and hand, hand handle that. Um, you know, I thought going into the second round that this would probably be the best matchup. And I think the games have been great, you know, but it just shows just how good Golden State is, well-rounded and everything, you know. And so uh, I just can't see, you know, Houston holding up against them. So Houston's to me is still just, I don't know, one, one more guy away. I, again, I just, I don't, I don't, I've always been that, I don't think Chris Paul is that guy. So uh, I'm not, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan, I guess. So, but uh, there, I think they just need one, one more guy. I'm not sure who that guy is, but. What's crazy is though, they should have been going to last year. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into uh, Milwaukee versus Boston. Uh, Milwaukee is up two to one, right, Phil? Two one. Okay. And what are your thoughts on the series so far and prediction? Um, you know, coming in, I had Milwaukee in no more than six. Then Boston came around and looked as good as ever in Game One, and people overreacted. But I still have Milwaukee in six, and to this day. I still have Milwaukee in six. I do think Boston wins tomorrow or Tuesday, whatever they do play. But I just think Giannis and um, and the rest of the Bucks, they're just too locked in. You know, I, like I said after game one, when you're a heavy favorite, but it's like your first time being a heavy favorite in a new series, you usually lose. You see that a lot. You see them lose game one at home like that, mm -hmm. and then they come back. So I, I, I don't – I just – Something is not right with Boston. It hasn't been right all season. You know, they show you what they can do that one game, and then it just – you don't see it again. So, I just – I don't know. I, I think Kyrie's good as gone, too. Um, everyone has hyped up. Uh, uh, Jason Tatum way too much, way too early. Horford has been good. He's been Horford, but he's Horford. He's not a star. So, hey, I just, they they got a they got a lot they got a lot to work on this summer. It's gonna be interesting. Warford can opt out. Um, Irving is gone. Of course, they'll probably get lucky and end up with uh, I believe Sacramento pick with some conditions if something happens or maybe Memphis pick. They somehow they're involved in the lottery again. <laughs> so I'm sure they'll get lucky. But it's gonna be interesting summer up there in Boston. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Thoughts and prediction, Derek. Uh, yeah, I'm mean, uh, like Phil said, if a series has been pretty good, but um, I do, I think it's, I think Kyrie is going to be enough to take them to seven, but I still think the Bucks will find a way to come out on top. But I think just the Celtics' experience, but like you said, the inconsistent play. I mean, they've been inconsistent all year, and I mean, even throughout the playoffs. I mean, they had spurts against the Pacers where they stopped playing well and then they couldn't score. But, I mean, they obviously still ran through them easily because the Pacers didn't have someone to step up. But Giannis, I mean, he's just too much. And when it comes to seven, I think he'll just take over and find a way to get over the hump. Yeah, I think this one's going to go six uh, as well. Um, 
Man, every game, it just seems like, you know, Giannis just has that mega star ability. Um, he just, uh, he takes over games and just becomes straight unstoppable. You know, I said, I said on the radio show tonight, I said, you know, there is, um, one, you know, not too many people that live up to their nicknames, but man, Greek Freak just really describes him in every single way. You know, uh, oh, yeah. he's just, again, he, he's a budding superstar. And one thing about it is Coach Bud just knows how to utilize his strengths and, and work the ball to him. Um, and so, uh, and, and you, you both, you guys both said about Boston's inconsistency. That's the thing. They just have never put together that elite perfect game at all this year. I mean, it seems like they, you start to see a flash of the, what they can bring to the table. And then the very next game, it's just inconsistencies again and them not looking like they, they've been together, you know, three weeks, not an entire year. So um, I, I don't know, man. It, it To me, it, I, I honestly want to say Kyrie, but I, I really honestly think that the Gordon Hayward injury changed everything for that team. Um, I, I don't He just, he's never looked the same. I mean, uh, when he came out of Utah, I thought, oh man, you know, he, he's just, he's got star written all over him. I mean, he was just a fantastic player and I mean, no fault of his own. That's a gruesome injury to have to come back from, but you know, he just, he, he looks a step slower. Uh, his shot just has never recovered. Um, uh, and so I think that may have a lot to do with it, but I just don't buy, I don't buy Kyrie as a leader. I buy Kyrie as a guy that paired with a leader could win multiple championships, but he just can't, he's, I don't know. He's just never to me been able to be that top guy. So I, now I think he realizes, you know, we said this before, I think he realizes now how important having LeBron was to him and, you know, and his ability to win rings. Yeah. But uh, also I forgot to mention um, Marcus Smart may come back tomorrow. So that, that will be a huge help for Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still don't think they're winning. So um, the third series, which has been a lot of fun, uh, Portland and Denver. Uh, Portland is up 2-1. to one. Uh, Derek, we'll start with you this time. What are your thoughts on the series so far in prediction? I mean, it's been great, especially the last game. And I had a game on the TV right now. I was going down to the wire, uh, 109 to 104 with a minute left. But, I mean, that series has been fun to watch. Uh, what did they go to, four overtimes? I mean, yeah, just that was being, crazy. Yeah, that was great to watch. I mean, just seeing them go at it and everything that happens, Lillard and McCollum hitting all those big shots, and then you got Jokic st stepping up and making plays. And, there, I mean, it's just a battle, and it's two teams that you really wouldn't – I mean, yeah, the Nuggets were the second seed, but, like, people counted them out because of their inexperience and stuff, and then the Blazers were also counted out uh, in their series by a lot of people. So, I mean, it's just good to see these two – teams playing at a very high level consistently throughout the playoff. Well, I mean, this is an important series. This is to see who gets the rights to get swept by Golden State. So, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I, I think if the Blazers win, they might be able to sneak one, maybe two games. I, I'm telling you what, if Dame and CJ McCollum. It's like 50, but I think that, that'll be the only game they win. If Dame and McCollum can play like they've been playing together, 
again, you you roll two hot players at a time in the playoffs, and you can go far. I mean, I've seen it before. A hot team coming in, um, you know, no one no one thought they were going to win that first series against Oklahoma City. They looked great, you know, and so now again, you're riding the high of taking down teams that you're not expected to be beating. So I mean, uh, that's important. They're, yeah, their defensive Aminu and Harkless. I mean, mm-hmm. they step up big. And then, I mean, they have Canner, which he's bad on defense, but the Warriors don't have anyone that's going to kill you down low. Uh-huh. They'll be all perimeter. So, I mean, they match up, I guess, well. But, I mean, two games is pushing it. I think they'll at least get one if they win this series. So, what do you think? What are you taking prediction for this series? Um, I, got, I think I'm going to take the Blazers in seven. All right, Phil, what are your thoughts? Uh You know, I think I said Portland earlier. I want to go to Denver in seven now. Yeah. I mean, you got any thoughts on the series? Man, it's been a great series. Uh, you know, it's really – it's honestly a toss-up. What a, what a treat this series has been. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's – uh, it's been a great series. I think it's running up there with one of the the my favorite second second round series. Um, what what was the score? Who's leading? I, I am not paying attention to uh, it. Right this thing with load, or do you got it? Uh, yeah, I got it. Uh, Denver has a ball with forty seconds left. They're up three. No, they're, yeah, they're up three. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So so you could be looking at possible two two here. I think it's going to go seven. Um, I think Denver is going to win though. Um, but uh, again, it's been one of my one of my favorite series. I've been trying to catch up because obviously they're the late. They've been the later games, so um, you know. So I've been I've been trying to catch up as I wake up in the next morning to see. And um, but I, I like I said, if McCollum McCollum and you know can keep doing what he's doing, and, and you know we know what Dame can do. So um, you know they they could go as far as those two want to take them, but. You know, I, you know, again, you know, Cantor's kind of been a non-issue, you know, so a non-factor. So, um, you know, they're, they're only going to go as far as those two can take them. So, but I just don't think it'll be enough to take on Denver. But again, I don't think it matters because I just think they're fighting for the right to who gets whooped by Golden State anyway. So. One but, of them guys have a chance to make a big shot right here. They got the ball down three with 26 seconds left. All right. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that as we go along here. Philadelphia versus Toronto. Phil, thoughts and prediction? Yeah. Um, Toronto going to sweep. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> now we got ourselves a 2-2 two, two seeds. <laughs> yeah, um, it's close to a sweep, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, one, this one is definitely going seven. I just – I don't know – who outside of Kawhi can we trust? But then Philadelphia, who outside of the big three can even – well, besides Reddick, too. Well, I mean, who on the bench can give you more than two points on Philadelphia? I think as a whole they had 11 bench points today. Embiid was awful. He can't stay healthy. One minute is his back, then he's sick, thrown up or whatever. I just I, – I don't know. Philadelphia is kind of a mess to me. But – Toronto is a mess too. You have Kawhi and um, Lowry's been crap in the bed. Um, you know, Siakam's banged up. 
their bench is no good. Jeremy Lin can't even get on the court when Lowry's playing as bad as he is. I just I don't understand. There is two Kyle Lowry's. There's regular season Kyle Lowry, and then there's playoff Kyle Lowry. So, and playoff Kyle Lowry is in full effect this playoff. So, so even this year, he averaged fourteen and eight this year. That's mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, but I mean, he, I I don't know. He just seems to be worse every time I see him in the playoffs. So, yeah. all right, what you think, Derek, on this series? What I've gained from this series is Kawhi Leonard is a killer. He's I mean, he's just a killer on both ends of the ball. I mean, people talk just because he's not flashy. They always downgrade his offensive game. I mean, he's—I mean, he showed it this whole year. But this series, I mean, he's just getting buckets and at an efficient rate. Threes, mid-range. I mean, it's ridiculous, and it's fun to watch him do what he's been doing. But like y'all both said, I mean, there's just no help. Kyle Lowry. He's out here eating cookies, going to insomnia after losing a game, after he just put on weight. This offseason, put on weight, has been terrible all year. I mean, my opinion, he's overrated, has been for a while. But Siakam, I mean, he got hurt, but he still played today, but he wasn't really that big. But he's he's played well in the first uh, games. He played well. So it's really just Kawhi against the world. I do think Kawhi will find a way to get by in this series. The Sixers are just a weird team. They have all those names, but it doesn't it just doesn't fit well together. So, and then like Embiid, he's sick and stuff. So, I think the Raptors will win. I guess seven. I guess it would have to be. Yeah, I guess they'll win in seven. Kawhi, Kawhi took a lot of heat for last year. I mean, and he lost a lot of respect from a lot of fans. Boy, did he gain some of that back today? I mean, fantastic. I mean, he's he's just been great. I mean. Um, Toronto, you know, about a, we, we talk about, you know, a good duo. Toronto is one of those teams where if they didn't have Kawhi would be buried. I mean, you know, uh, he showed how important he is to that team. Um, he's just, he's just been excellent. I mean, um, you know, we talked about Boston with inconsistency. The only team I think is more inconsistent than Boston is Philadelphia. So I just talk about a team that one day can play together. The next team, you know, next day doesn't even look like they've ever played with each other is Philadelphia all the way. Um, and so that's why I think Toronto can take them, uh, in six or seven. Um, so I, I definitely like Toronto, Toronto in this one. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's probably gonna be probably gonna be a good series, but uh, but yeah, definitely not a sweep like some people that you know, work for right for ATL Sports HQ like to think. I'm not saying any names uh, too sharp, okay. Patel. So. What kind of performance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derek, team so far in the playoffs that has surprised you the most? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Blazers um, after their little streak of. Not even winning a game in the playoffs. They got swept last year, and I forget what happened the year before. That but, they didn't win. That's the answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> I didn't. I thought they got sweet too. I didn't want to mm-hmm. make up something, but um, just seeing them play it well together without Nurkic. I mean, I thought it would take a big hit on them not having him. But I mean, they've stepped up. Damian Lillard stepped up big. CJ McCollum. I've been very impressed with his play in the playoffs. And I mean, I just they they've been fun to watch too. It's not just good basketball; like it's just straight good basketball from them. 
So it's been really, really good for Damon McCollum because of where they play, they don't get any kind of respect being at their playing it on the East Coast 1030 games, you know. So um, and, and this playoffs has been uh, more about getting their, their names out there, especially McCollum. I mean, he's very underrated there. So um, it's good to see him getting uh, his name out in the press and stuff. So, well, what uh, team has surprised you the most, Phil? Yeah, I got to go Portland as well. You know, after after that uh, disaster last year where they got swept by New Orleans, I really thought, you know, this could have been the beginning of the end for, for that team. You know, they could have panicked and really just blown it up last offseason. But, no, they stuck with it. They won 54 games. Yet again, you know, nobody talked about them at all this regular season. And they won 54 games in the West. That's not easy to do. And, you know, they constantly do it year after year they had the hiccup last year but this isn't the first time they've you know they've made it out the first round on this um on this little stretch they've had so i, I they deserve a lot more respect than they've gotten i'm gonna sweep it it's gonna be the blazers i mean um one one thing is that terry stotts has done a very very underratedly good job coaching that team he's gotten them to buy into defense um and so uh that that kind of pushed them. I, I honestly thought they had no chance against Oklahoma City. So um, you know, just getting past that first series, everything else is bonus. So, um, but yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you too. I I don't think you know with even having a chance to win this series. You know, it's just like again, they're riding a very hot streak right now, and so they're a team I just wouldn't want to play in the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know, again, at no chance next round, none. But still, it's fun to, you know, I, I think that matchup-wise, you know, they may match up better uh, match up better with Golden State than uh, Denver. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, again, I, I hate – I've always said that I hate to play teams that have nothing to lose. So those, those are the teams that scare me the most. So, all right, let's get into some Atlanta United chat. Uh, after a very uninspiring victory over Colorado, is it time to panic about the direction of this team, Phil? Not at all. Uh, Colorado was just there to be there. Um, you know, they, they, they weren't very interested in playing football that afternoon. It didn't seem like they just sat on the ball. We really couldn't, we couldn't get anything going. You know, we, we were stuck in the mud. We finally got the goal in the 75th minute, um, you know, and then Colorado promptly fired their manager after. So <laughs> it couldn't have been that bad on our part, uh, you know, for, for as sideways as this season has gone so far. We're only uh, four points out of the last playoff spot, and we've also played two less games than that team, which would be the Orlando City Soccer Club. So we have about seven games over the course of the rest of this month. So if, if we're going to make a move, it's going to come, and it's going to come fast. I mean, if we if we play good, good football, we'll be up there with D.C. United by the end of the month and uh, on first place. We're only nine. Well, I, I don't know if D.C. won today. It looks up. It did. So we're only uh, 12 points out of first place. You and I, we were watching that, that – uh first half of the Colorado match and together. And we were talking on uh, Twitter to each other about 
that may have been single-handedly the worst half of soccer we have ever seen. It was boring. I mean, it literally was just <laughs> playing bad. It was just like both teams are out there just doing a passing drill. Uh huh. I've obviously been the most vocal to how I just, I do not like Frank DeBoer and I think he's a horrible choice for, to manage this team. So, um, and that's not changing. I, uh, just glanced. I see that no one scored in 15 minutes of, uh, uh, What's that? In this 15 minutes than, uh, we had all of last week. So they, they look decent so far. Yeah, uh, what do you want to see United do in their matchup with Sporting KC tonight? Um, I would be very happy with a tie. Uh, Sporting KC is a team who's basically struggling like us. You know, they're expected to be one of the better teams. They had a pretty deep um, comp cap run, so they also have really kind of struggled out of the gates. You know, so coming out of there with a tie, I'd be pretty happy. I'm more, I'm more interested to see what we have Wednesday night back at home against um, Toronto, which has actually played. Much better this year, better than I expected. Uh, I didn't think they were going to recover from last year's disaster. Uh, there was a lot of, it seemed like, infighting, a lot of drama through the offseason. So I wasn't expecting much for Toronto, but they played rather well so far. So that should be an interesting, interesting matchup Wednesday night. Uh, we have a lot of games coming up this month. It's more back to busy. Well, you know what I'm going to say, but are you still on board with Frank DeBoer? Uh, I mean... You know, <laughs> I, I just I, I can't hit the panic button, not even a third way into the first season. Let's say if we just totally fall flat and don't make the playoffs this year, then the change definitely has to be made this um, this winter. But with with as fast as the MLS season comes this year, I just it wouldn't be any good to can him midseason no matter what. So I, I just ride this out. I literally feel like he watches tape of another team and then utilizes that for his play calling because it just seems to me that the, the things he does don't give any benefit to the talent and the athleticism that the United have. It just, I don't know. I, it's like, I don't know what he's trying to do. I, I don't understand his calls sometimes. I don't understand his substitutions whatsoever. So um, I, I think he's made poor substitutions. So, but, I'm, but again, no, you know, I, I could put it all on him, but it's not like our, our guys have really stepped it up. I mean, you know, uh, Petey Martinez, you know, that's hasn't been the greatest addition. So, um, you know, I, it's just, it's hard. Again, I, I've said this a few times too, is that it's hard to believe that, you know, we would miss Miggy Almonte as much as we have. Um, um, our uh, Miggy. What's his last name? What, is it, what was it? Um, what did I say? Almonte? Yeah. Well, whoops. <laughs> My bad. Anyways, <laughs> you knew who I was talking about. So yeah. but maybe it's hard to believe that, you know, that, again, that the change has been, you know, that that we would miss him as much as we have. Yeah. You know? And I told everybody coming in, it was going to take some time. I honestly, I saw this kind of start coming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought we'd be scoring a few more goals, but, you know, and Frank has trotted out some decent lineups. Like he's trying the right things. It's just mm -hmm. he not playing the right style like you, 
you're you're we're we're running some decent formations and some decent lineups out there. Cause we gotta gotta score. We gotta put the ball in the back of the net. At least we're not giving up a lot of goals. I mean, it's not all that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the Braves. Um, Max Freed four and one with a two point one one ERA. Mike Soroka three and one with a one point one four ERA. Derek, are we finally starting to see the benefits of these young arms we have been stashing for a few years now? I've seen what. What's the first dude's name? Max Freed. I saw him play. What didn't he do something today? Yeah, and run the bases that the essentially won us the game. You know, he, it was, he took off. Out by twenty feet, and he still found a way to score. You know, <laughs> but um, I mean, I'm not big on the Braves. I haven't really watched a lot, but I've seen some stuff, and I've kept up with stuff that we do and stuff. But um, I mean, pitching has been a problem, but it's not really been the starters, if I'm correct. Yeah. It's been the relievers. So I mean. It's, I guess you think it's nice that you know for a team that's rebuilding, you know that the finally we start yeah. to see results. I mean, any you know it doesn't matter whether it's NBA, NFL. When your team's rebuilding, you know it's nice to nice to finally start seeing some results for everything you've been preaching. Especially when you know we pretty much got all but a couple of our offensive guys are already in the big leagues. So now it's you know. Now it's time for the arms that we've been preaching about and building upon for all these years to finally see numbers from them, you know. It looks like it's coming together, like you said, on both ends. I mean, you have the batters already, the people that have showed up big in their early careers, and then now you see this. So it's definitely good for them. I'm, I'm definitely excited. I mean, being – you know, being as big a Brave fan as I am, you know, uh, Max Freed kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, you know, he uh, didn't project as high as some of the some of our other younger arms in, but he's a really, really good left-handed pitcher, uh, utilizes both sides of the plate, which I really like, like, has great control, doesn't walk very many guys. And then on the opposite side of that, Mike Soroka, who is, you know, was supposed to be, the you know the guy for us um, ran into some shoulder problems last year, but pinpoint control this year uh, ha- throws a nasty slider to go along with a 90, 95 plus fastball. Uh, and, and so yeah, I, I mean I'm definitely I'm definitely excited for those two. But uh, what do you think, Phil? Are, is, are we finally starting to see those benefits now? Definitely, and that that's what keeps this season going because hey. It, it, uh, it, there's been some rough losses that really should not have happened. This team has way too much talent to be hanging around 500, but we all know what the problem is. So we, we don't even need to talk about the problem because we all know what it is. But, right. you know, you know really honestly, honestly, though, in the last two weeks, that problem hasn't necessarily been that bad of a problem. I mean, we're, we're starting to see some rules set. Um well, you know, we'll we'll get to that. We got a question coming in about that here in in, in a couple uh, couple of questions. So, um, but Phil, who has been the most surprising player you have seen on the Braves team this year? Um, you know, with Albies, you know, he's really taken his his game to another level. You know, he kind of struggled, especially in the second half of last year. He's been on it, and you know, he's been a really reliable hitter uh, so far this year. I really like what I'm seeing. And then, of course, that young pitching duo, they're going to be a killer. Yeah, uh, for me, um, most surprising player is 
definitely Luke Jackson. I mean, I was ready after his first appearance to DFA him so quickly that I never wanted to see him um, on this team ever again. And now he's the closer of this team. I mean, and he has been excellent. And the, ever since the first appearance, I, I think he's under uh, under a one and a half ERA since that appearance. Uh, and he has been great. Uh, I like your answer of Ozzy Albies. He's been given the um, uh, the leadoff spot now, and he was at the beginning of the year. He was uh, kind of mixing it up with uh, Ender and Ciarte, but now Ciarte has moved full down to the uh, to the eight role. So uh, yeah, I really like Ozzy Albies. Um, I think that uh, um, Dansby has been greatly improved as well. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good to see. And, you know, those guys that we're naming, they're young guys too. So that's what you want to see out of young guys is just consistent improvement. Um, one thing that kind of went under or not really noticed that much, um, uh, Rick Kranitz, he had to, or Kranz, I'm sorry. He had to, uh, um, step away for a personal issue and was supposed to be gone like a week, ended up gone like a month. Um, he's been back now for almost a week, maybe two weeks. And it seems like the pitching has been much better since he's been back. Um, and I know he is really, really good and is known for uh, his work with younger pitchers. Um, uh, last year with Aaron Nola in Philadelphia, he turned Aaron Nola into, you know, a Cy Young caliber style pitcher. Now Nola this year without him is struggling mightily. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, so those, those are, um, th there's a lot of improvement on this team. So, but those are the ones I saw. But Derek, do you want to answer this one? Do you got anything in mind? I can't assist y'all on that one. Yeah, I, it would probably be incorrect information. If yeah. I don't want to give out incorrect. Information. Well, I asked you in chat, but you didn't want to answer me, so I had to ask no, you. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, with no true closer for the brace, they continue utilizing the hot hand closer strategy they have been using. Um. Yeah, closer by committee. That's just you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to bring up that name, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, just. Hey, whoever has the high hand, get it done. Fake it till you make it. Hopefully, this hopefully in July, maybe a team that's thought they were gonna be good but isn't good, maybe they'll give us somebody. You know, we have all these young people. I, I hate when people are like, "Oh, but we don't want to give up any of the young talent." If you're gonna win championships, eventually, you gotta decide. Okay, who, which one is worth moving, so we can get ahead. Well, you know, uh, it, it seems like uh, they're they're finally doing the right thing, which is, like you said, the go with the closer by committee hot hand. Luke Jackson right now obviously killing it, so he, you know, he's going to get that role. But um, Jacob Webb, he closed in Gwinnett. He has closing experience. He actually closed the game the other day um, and, and did a fantastic job. Um, uh, they, um, you know, they – did a fake injury deal with Jesse Biddle to maybe get his head straight and work him out because we, we desperately need him. I mean, um, uh, a good left-handed situational reliever, um, which we struggle with mightily this, this year. Um, in fact, we, 
had just made a trade for Jerry Blevins um, just to fulfill that role. And he's come in and done a fantastic job of facing that one or two batters that he needs to face as a left-hander to get him out, um, leading into the next guy in the bullpen. But like I said, the last two weeks since Dave kind of went with this role, the bullpen's kind of uh, stepped it up. But, you know, with the guy who we will not mention, the thing is, is the longer this goes on, we have just as much chance of getting him in June as anybody else does. You know, no one else is making that bid to to go out and get him and lose that draft pick that you're going to lose. So, um, you know, if it continues on into June and that's still something that we need to address, which I'm going to guess will be something we still need to address. Uh, you yeah. know, we, we could make a play for him. You know, it's not it's not nothing is out of the, you know, out you know, there's no chance be- until he signed with someone else. So, and I think the closer we get to that, to that, you know, maybe mid-May, end of May, you know, teams are going to realize that they're desperate and, you know, and they need that. And so you're going to start to see maybe something happening before that, that June date comes where you lose the draft pick. But I, if you waited this long, I can't imagine any team giving up that draft pick now. So I think we got just as much of a chance. So, but uh, let's get into some uh, buy or sell. Um, old country house, still uh, favorite horse in horse racing, uh, wins the Kentucky Derby after maximum security was disqualified for not staying in his lane. Uh, this is the first time in 145 years of the Kentucky Derby that has ended in a disqualification. Uh, Derek, buy or sell watching the Kentucky Derby? I'm going to have to sell unless I'm there actually betting on the horses, but I'm not going to sit here and watch that on my television. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no for me. I know Phil does all the time. Every year. How, how far How far are you away from Louisville? you got to be close. About three yeah. hours. Let me let me tell you something. As I'll let you answer this in a second, Phil, but that's something that you at least need to go to, like the museum and stuff. It is. I'm not. I'm not a horse racing guy, and um, the uh, museum was awesome for for uh, the Kentucky Derby. But going to a horse race live is actually pretty fun too. My wife and I went there uh, when about two or three years ago. And uh, for a work trip, and uh, we lost like we bet like ten times and lost every single time betting on a horse. But it's so fun rooting for something that you would have zero interest in, but because you got money on the line, you're like, yeah, go dumb name horse, yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, buyer still watching the Kentucky Derby, Phil. Yeah, no, I, I think one year I was home bored and I was just trying to wait. It was just. So much build up, 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 build up. Bam, race. Bam, race over. I was like, okay. So was that a buy or sell? Oh, definitely sell. Oh. Yeah, I'm selling. I mean, it's 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 all right. I mean, it is what it is, but yeah, it's you know, to me it's like the the Daytona five hundred. It you know, everybody knows what it is and everybody knows, you know, like when, you know when it's that week, but I'll tell you what are the uh, the main company for that that I work with is based out of out of Louisville, and they think that Kentucky Derby Week is like the greatest thing ever. You know they have like this huge celebration and 
and everybody goes, they take time off from work and, and go to like the, the pre races of the younger horses and stuff like that. It is crazy. They love it up there. It's like, you know, everybody dresses up, they go in like these suits and fancy dresses and stuff. It is crazy. So, but yeah, it's 100% sell for me. I could care less. So, but, uh, LeBron James today, he uh, said he was stunned by Magic Johnson's exit with the Lakers. Buy or sell LeBron James actually being stunned by this news, Phil? Nah, he just wanted to. Buy or sell, Derek? Uh, I'm, I'm going to buy. I mean, I'm going to buy it because just because Magic didn't talk to anyone. From what he said, now is that fully true? I don't know, but I don't know any other evidence of anything else. So I mean, it's possible. So I guess I'll go ahead and buy it. Sell, sell, sell. He's the freaking general manager of the team. How does he not know that the president's not going to quit? I am not buying it. LeBron James knows exactly every single thing that's going on on every single team he's ever been in. You know, I I just have a hard time have a hard time believing. Yeah, you know, even part of me wants to think that he was making a power move to get Magic out of there. Anyways, Magic probably probably heard something about it, and then uh, he's like, "Well, you know what? I, instead of being embarrassed, I'm just going to quit on my own accord and and still be embarrassed." But you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't buy anytime. Every, anytime LeBron says that he's stunned by something or he doesn't know, or trust me, he knows everything that goes on with that team. So they didn't get him. They didn't get him to in LA to just, you know, go in the background and not know anything. So yeah, I'm 100% selling that one. So um, with the local one, we'll end with this writer, Jeff Passan. Uh, this actually came out last week, said in an article that he thinks Ronald Acuna is already the best player in the game. Currently, Derek Byer sell the statement. I'm about to sell. Um, it's too early, of course. Now, can he be? Yes, obviously. I mean, all that potential he has and, I mean, the talent that he's shown right off the jump. I mean, there's been no really no drop-off, and he was great from the beginning. But being the best player in the league takes a lot, and I don't think you can say that after a one-and-a-half year. Buy or sell, Phil? I got to sell that. Uh, pump the brakes just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I think he can get there. I think he will get there, but let's relax a little bit. Let him let him grow. Let him grow. Yeah, I'm gonna sixty two. Yeah, I'm trifecta in this one. It's a sell for me. I love me some Ronald Acuna, but there's a little guy named Mike Trout that has not uh, let off the throne of being the best player in baseball, uh, and he's having another incredible year. So. Um, yeah, can't like you said. Can he get there? Of course, he can get there. I mean, he's got unreal talent. I mean, you know, um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of young guys coming in. We've seen some of the best young talent coming up in the last month. I mean, with Vlad Guerrero Jr. entering the mix, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, guys that just can rake the ball just just as much as Ronald Acuna. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just too early for that. But, hey, you know, it's always nice when someone thinks that he is the best player in the game, you know, um, especially Passan, who isn't a local writer. So, um, you know, hyping up, any, you know, hyping up a guy out of market. So that's always nice to that someone, you know, respects his game enough that's out of market to consider him to be the best player in the game currently. So, but, 
Yeah, let's uh, do some shout outs. Uh, Phil, what you got, man? Yeah, shout out everybody listening, everybody supporting, you know, everybody who's doing stuff on the site. Um, come right for us. Free shout out, Derek. Yeah, shout out everybody that came back and listened after our little break. I mean, we had a few things, but all of us, the normal stuff. Appreciate y'all coming back and listening. Yeah, shout out to everybody in the YouTube chat. I don't have YouTube pulled up. It slows me down for some reason. So, But uh, shout out to you guys hanging out in the chat with us. And like I said, like Derek said, for everybody that came back after a little little hiatus, I guess. But uh, you know, we're back on it again. We're definitely excited to all get back together and, and do a show for you guys again tonight. And then uh, so we'll definitely be back. Uh, probably Sunday. Sunday, we kind of decided is our best day for us to do it. I think Phil will be out of the picture next Sunday. Will you not, Phil? Yeah, man. I'll be, I'll, I'll next be Sunday's uh, Mother's Day, if y'all forgot. So. I don't if have that, a mother. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, if that affects anything for y'all, I know I'll be good. <laughs> well, we'll figure out something, and we'll always give you a heads up like we do. Cowboy get Cowboy Brett, probably. <laughs> But thanks for listening to the ATL Sports HQ Live podcast, and we will see you all next week.